Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm betting you're awake. Are you? What do you want? Figured I'd like to talk to you. About what? A little conversation. Pick up that phone and speak the words. There's a caller who's sure. Hello? Bradley J is too bold. Hello? And he's dying to call and get even. Hello? When he's on air, he knows. Hello? Bradley's mind's never closed. Hello? With a word, he can get what he came for. Jay Talking with Bradley Jay. Makes me want to call him. Oh, stewardess, I speak Jay. WBZ News Radio 1030. WBZ, 38 degrees. You're Jay Talking, Bradley Jay. Mark Lavallo was your producer. Now, I know that uh, the job market's pretty good now. But still, some of you don't have jobs, so I have a hint for you. America needs pilots. Turns out commercial pilots are in big demand. Some flights are canceled because they can't get pilots. You might want to think about it. It's it's possible. And here to make us understand just how possible is John Garavedian. Hey, Bradley. John Garavedian <laughs> and I have big history way back. Well, we worked at BCN together, but you, of course, you were BZ. Right, I've seen pictures of you on a microphone at BZ in the oh, well, early no, I days. was not. That was when I was in high school touring the station. Oh, I was only sixteen in that picture, but I was at WMEX back in the old days. Yep, and uh, we had a lot of fun. And then you, uh, well, you built your own radio station, and you yes, WGTR in Natick, and then you put together V sixty six. Yep, which was <laughs> television station. a good thing for you. And, uh, but I was, too, was, I was too tall for television, so I went back to, to radio. Rid of it. That's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like my ashtray full, so I sold the car. And that came. That was a MTV only local kind of. It was a local music video station, right? And it came out about four years after MTV. It came where it first right, launched. Well, three, four years, yeah. You're here because you have, you are, and have been for a long time a pilot. It's been a big part of your life, and first. Give me an idea. Other Actually, than, 40 years I've been a 40 pilot. years. Other than the vague notion of it must be awesome to fly, give me an idea of the joy of flying and what can, what it can add to your life, having that ability to just scoot around in a plane, have that autonomy. It's, it's, it's very freeing. Um, you know, you want to go someplace. I happen to have a place in northern Vermont, and that was the original reason I thought, wouldn't it be great to have a pilot's license instead of driving four hours on a Friday night through traffic and then coming back on a Sunday through traffic? Right. And, and it came true, and it was great. And you even uh, managed to get an airstrip near your house, which was really Well, I didn't get it. I built one, yeah. You built one. It's not a very big one, but it's good enough for the kind <laughs> of really, place is that it really, I fly. Is it short enough so it's hairy landing sometimes? Uh, well, no. There have never been any issues like that. Um, there are airplanes called Stoll Airplanes, S-T-O-L, which is short takeoff and landing. Uh-huh. And they're built to land and take off in short spaces. And that's pretty much what you use? Yeah. Okay. 
And you have an interesting story about how you came in contact with flying. You never thought you were going to fly. But, no, but I never thought anything about being a pilot. Mm -hmm. I'd see airplanes. I go, oh, it's an airplane. I, I didn't care. But I, I uh, happened to uh, we, we were doing a broadcast in Framingham one time. There was this place called the Marketplace, which this is back in the seventies. There was this. Um, it was, I don't know what it was. It was right across from Shopper's World. And there were these little 10-foot booths that people would rent for four days, and they'd sign up. And they'd sell their home crafts, you know, you know wallets made out of gimp like you do or whatever you make them yeah. out of. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, pottery and paintings and all kinds of home crafts. And the place was full. It was pretty cool, actually. And I uh, was walking around the place on a Saturday, and I happened to bump into this woman I used to work with. She was the secretary to the guy who ran the company and she said john and i go diane and, um so i, I said, how are you doing blah blah good and i said what are you doing now she said oh we married this great guy and uh we uh, run a flight school at hopedale airport and i said oh and she said what are you doing i said well i run this radio station in natick and she said oh well you ought to come down and learn to fly i said and you should run ads on your radio station and let's do a swap because i i just happened to be Annoyed with having to drive four, four and a half hours up to northern Vermont yeah. on the weekend. And I thought this would be a great way to do it. So she said, let me talk to my husband. So she did, and we did it. And I went down there and took my first flight. And uh, the first thing I thought about was, I hope the wings don't fall off or the right. engine doesn't quit. But so this is a good story because this could be you, folks. John was not a natural-born pilot. He came upon it later, in, late, kind of later in life. So a lot of you might want to do it. I think it's actually something that's doable. Oh, it's excellent. It's a wonderful. And, and the best thing about learning to fly or when you fly, you are so focused on what you're doing that all the problems and cares in the world just go away because you have to focus 100% on what you're doing. We have Rick in New Hampshire to talk to us, John Garabedian. So, hey, Rick, say hello to John Garabedian. Hello, John and Bradley. Last time I called, we were talking about uh, Pat Matheny Group. I don't oh. know if you ever listened to some of the songs, but... Uh, yeah, I just uh, came in. I've been with American Airlines um, on my 38th year right now. Wow. Over 40 years of flying. What and, do you... Uh, it's gotten worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> is that a good job, Rick? It is the best job in the world. I mean, you travel. There's good money. Uh, you feel really great. It's rewarding. You don't work with the same people all the time. And you know that that's worth its weight in gold right there. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of good, yeah. So how much does a guy like you make? Oh, don't tell me about you, but how much well, you know, can a pilot make? Well, listen, it's always a big secret, you know, and this is the problem with kids today in school, and you ask them, what do you want to do when you grow up? And they go, what do you mean? And you need to ask those questions, and you need to get the answers. And uh, like uh, I know uh, an American, that's where I work, guys are starting off at uh, $84,000 when they get hired, okay? Now, I've been there a while. And I'm just going to tell everybody, look, there's a lot of responsibility. And John there, I know he'll let you know. But um, I made uh, 330000 last year. So how's that? Good. First of all, good for you. You for fly, you fly inter international. Yeah, man, 330, Airbus. Very nice. Where do you tend yeah. to fly? Um, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to be a downer now. But I love Germany. But it, it kind of ruined it right now. So, um you know, I like Italy, Ireland. It's just a lot of a lot of stuff going on. I mean, Italy. Uh, I think they just put a new guy in charge there, and the first thing he wants to do is 
get rid of a bunch of people who, are, who aren't there legally because they can't afford them. Yeah, let's stick with the planes down. and the flying Yeah, I hear stuff. you. I hear you. So, so um, I, I love any, almost anywhere. I love Germany. I'm actually uh, German descent, but uh, it's, you know, it's a little different right now. But I love it almost anywhere. I love the hours. I, I love the people I work with. And you got to have 1,500 hours before the airline can consider you. The best way to, to go from there is get your flight time in instructing, uh, military. Uh, they have these cadet programs you could get into now. There's a big company called, I think it's ATP. They'll get you through everything. For It's about $40,000, but you're ready to go and they get your job with a commuter. And you put your time into some of the commuters that are affiliated with the airlines. I know with American, there's PSA, there's Piedmont. They put you in jets. And uh, you will have what they call a flow-through. So you will go to the big airline anywhere from three to five years. Well, do you so, have to have a college degree first? No. Good. You don't have, that, to have a college degree. Think of the savings. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't need to uh, have perfect vision. Just have corrected vision. You know, be in good health. And, uh, you know, be somebody you can work with, you can trust. If you know you screw up, the guy says something to you, and the guy that you said it to doesn't get upset. You know, it's kind of a teamwork thing. Are you a good pilot? Am I a good pilot? Yeah. Well, I would say I'm a good person, and I'm really an easy guy to work with, and I do it by the book. So, so, so no? Stay out of trouble. <laughs> All right, Rick, thanks a lot. Anything else you want to say? Yeah. John, you want to uh, ask, say anything to Rick? No. Um, anything he says, everything he says is great. I would add, though, that you can uh, get your uh, ATP, which is the license you need to fly a big plane, in 1,000 right. hours. If you go to yep. a you know, approved school like uh, Embry Correct. Riddle, Embry Riddle is the best school in the world. Yeah, uh, it is a great school, and I, but I think, that, and then there are certain requirements. But I think it's anywhere from twelve hundred to fifteen hundred hours required now to get on with the commuter uh, as a as a co-pilot, and then from there work your way up to wow. captain, and then move to the big airline. What a good call, Rick! Thank you very much. Okay, buddy. I'll see you, Jay. So long, John. Pretty good. Thanks for calling. Wow, very interesting. You know, he talked about it. Forty thousand dollars. That's a drop compared to. A, College education, which is like two hundred and fifty grand now, or something. Yeah, well, actually, they're, they're, you start for not bad. The uh, I'm president of the K Pilots Association. We give out scholarships every year, and one of our scholarship recipients from Mashpee went to work for one of the uh, the small airlines, you know, the ones that fly the feeder routes for American and for United and so forth. And I think he started at like 45, and they gave him a $15,000 signing bonus. Nice. The airlines are desperate for pilots right now. They're canceling flights because they don't have pilots. Wow. So if you were a young, you know, 22-year-old person without any real direction and this resonated with you, that would be a great thing to do. Yeah. And three hundred thousand dollars is a nice, nice income. I know three hundred and thirty, and he seemed to have fun. And you don't have a lot of work time. I mean, you you know, you fly on a big long flight, like you're flying to Beijing or something. Yeah, it's a twenty-two hour flight, but then there are two crews. You're off half the time, but then you have a week off once you get back. It's great. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Wow. And 
This is a good question. I'm interested to know what they do while they're kind of cruising. I mean, you, you get up to cruising, and then you flick a switch and you kick back, right? That's right. They do nothing. <laughs> what do, they, do, do they? How do you kill the time? Well, you, uh, that's one of the problems. <laughs> you bring along a book, whatever you do. Uh, on your time off, you can you know, watch a movie on your iPad or something. You, know, you talk to people, and that's about what you do. Uh, the, the, the great saying in airplanes is you know, it's hours of boredom right. punctuated by moments of sheer terror. <laughs> so basically, they pay you to m- make sure the plane's in good order, get it in the air, and then get it down. Well, flying on a route is the easiest thing. Takeoffs and landings can be a little funny. And when the weather gets bad, that's when you need somebody who really knows what they're doing. Because if they don't, they'll they'll get in trouble. Weather being bad, including wind. And how much of a thing is visibility? Is is wind and weather that would... Ruin the shape of the wing? Is that the big danger? No, no. The, the visibility is nothing. I mean, you go on YouTube and there are films of people landing in, in visibility that's so bad with Autoland yeah. that once the plane stops, they have to send a truck out to, to run it. 20 feet in front of it to lead it into the gate I, because you, the, from the cockpit, you're too high. You can't wow. see the lines. So what's the danger? What weather conditions are dangerous? Well, icing is the worst. Okay. Icing turns an airplane wing into an ice cube, which is not not a wing. It yeah. doesn't hold the airplane up anymore. So they have to know how, how to de-ice the plane, what the proper procedures are, how to get out of icing. Uh, is icing know. only a takeoff thing or also a, a, an issue landing? No, that's both. Both. Usually you're flying above it all. So if there's icing conditions landing that you can't really de-ice, can you, unless there's something on board squirts out on the wing do you have to go to another airport or just what do you do well the what's called the FARs the federal air regulations say that you are not allowed to take off unless there is no ice or moisture or snow or anything adhering to the flying surfaces so that's why they de-ice before they take off if you everyone took off in icy weather they taxi the plane over to a place so there's a station there's a guy in this big your boom truck that goes yeah. up and they spray kind of nozzle. Yeah. yeah, they spray this hot chemical. That cleans what do you do if you're landing in this icing conditions? You can't do that. No, but the, the plane has de-icing built in. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, they, they actually heat the wings with some of the bleed air from the jet engines. Okay. So we have Brian in Weymouth. We, are, we haven't even started with our questions, and heck, we're, we're deep into this. Brian, say hello to John Garabedian. How you doing, John? I remember when you were on WBCN back in the day with uh, Bradley. Yeah. I was, uh, thank you for taking my call. I have an interesting question for you. I have my truck driver's license. I'm in my late 40s, and I kind of need a little change of uh, occupation, let's say. The only thing, I'm very interested in aviation. My brother was a Navy fighter pilot. John, he's in the Navy for 30 years. Flew the Tomcat, used to bring it into South Weymouth on cross-country trips. Yeah. So here's the deal. If I was to get into aviation, the schooling is awful expensive. Can you get any type of endorsements or anything like that? When you say awful expensive, how much are you seeing? Well, to start out as a civilian, you'd have to start out at what, at Norwood Airport or well, no. the Airport? Well, you have to start out by – there are three classes of license. There's your private license. Well, there actually yeah. are there's four. Um, there's light sport license, which – doesn't apply to this. You want to become an airline pilot. Then you get your commercial license. Then you get your air, airline traffic, uh, airline, what is it, transport pilot, ATP. And you have to get them in order. And then you have to get your, your instrument rating and multi-engine. And, and there's a whole bunch of stuff you get. Um, 
but you do start out by getting your private. You can go to Norwood Airport. Uh, there are a couple flight schools there that are excellent. Um, but then you have to go on and get your commercial. They can give you that. And then you have to get your time up. And when you get your commercial license, you can then get your flight instructor rating and go to work as a flight instructor. And that's how you get paid for building your hours and your time. Okay, so you will have yeah. to come up some with some money initially before you get to that point. Yeah. So like, you've got to you've got to you've got to end you end up with an ATP to get hired by the airline. So how much is it you're going to have to have to get to the point where he can kind of break even by instructing? I don't know, but <laughs> the guy who called so you're basically answer, on your own, John, from the beginning. Yeah, you are. Well, that's the way it is in life, really, isn't it? Well, I know, but but it, I, that's interesting. My uh, girlfriend flies in and out of uh, the Georgia airport all the time. That's the busiest airport in the country, right? Uh, yes. So listen, Brian. I mean, I mean, yep. kids are going to school and they're paying two hundred and fifty grand and coming out with no skills and nothing. What you would pay to get what you want is a fraction of that. So what you need is to suck it up and find the money. <laughs> exactly. Okay, stop whining and find the dough. <laughs> I'll get I'll get into your line of work. It's a little probably. tough love. There's no money here. I am. There's zero money and less all the time. Trust me. All right, You're way better off becoming a pilot, guys. All right, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Seriously, um, if you want to do it, you'll find a way. It sounds like he's trying to find, not find a way. Well, he's trying to find a cheap way, and that's yeah. what we all try to do that. But once we fail, we go, okay, you got to deal with it. This is what it's going to cost. Okay. Now, back to the training. Let's get specific about the training. Um, when you start, for you take your first flight just to see what it's like. Maybe the guy lets you take the yoke. Is that what it's called? And Yeah, the yoke. A little bit. And, and then what is the, the process from the very beginning after that? Well, there are, there are three things. First, first, you do takeoffs and landings so you're ready to scream uh, because that's the, that's, that's the most important skill. Flying the airplane is just going, oh, we want to go left? Just you know, step on the left rudder and yep. turn the wheel just a little bit and over you go. Um, but learning that and learning the techniques – Weather is a critical thing. There's a written exam you have to take. This is for your private license. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you start with takeoffs and landings with the instructor, and you do them all the time, and you practice, practice, practice. Um, and then meanwhile, there's some sometime along the way here, you have to take a written exam, which involves the, the regulations and weather. Weather is the biggest thing, because weather can kill you. Um, thunderstorms, you don't fly through thunderstorms because they'll rip an airplane apart. Um, Hail comes down. Um, I can tell you stories about hail. Uh, it's a hail of a story. Ah. <laughs> um, but once you start learning to fly, you have to build up a minimum of 40 hours before you're ready to take your flight test. Almost no one does it in 40 hours. Usually, I think the national average is like 83 or 85 or something like that. Um, but once you do your takeoffs and landings, you get to a certain point there comes a real benchmark, which is the instructor says, okay, uh, I'm going to get out of the plane, and I want you to do this all on your own. You solo. Yep. And that is a momentous time. You really feel <laughs> proud of yourself. It's you in the airplane, but it's terrifying. Yeah. Because if something goes wrong, there's nobody there to get you out of it. So, so the rubber you, really meets the road on that solo. Yeah, so you, you remember what you were taught. You go through it. Uh, you get into position at the end of the runway. You firewall the throttle. Down the way you go, and you lift off, 
And unlike when there were 200 pounds of instructor sitting next to you, yeah. the plane goes whoosh right up in the it's, air. it's that much lighter. Oh, yeah. It's all a matter of weight and balance. Wow. That's another part of airplanes. You've got to learn weight and balance. Uh-huh. An airplane can't carry an unlimited amount of weight. Uh, an airplane has a thing called the useful load, which is the difference between the gross weight of the plane and the empty weight of the plane, which doesn't include people, baggage, or fuel. Mm-hmm. So you have to calculate those things. Then what's next? Next, you start your cross countries. You learn to navigate with charts mm-hmm. and, and a thing called pilotage. Pilotage is recognizing landmarks, knowing where you are at all times. Uh, it's becoming kind of a lost art because with GPS, you know, oh. everybody just looks at that little purple line and then you go buzzling along. We have John Garabedian here with us. Who is a pilot? And also, uh, the boss of the Cape Air, what do you call it? Cape Pilots Association. Cape Area Pilots Association. Yes, and and a couple, at least one other organization. Yeah, I'm on the board of the Aero Club of New England, which is the oldest aviation organization in North America, second oldest in the world. It was actually founded here in Boston in January of 1902. The Wright brothers didn't fly until December of 1903. Wow. So they were they got on the ground floor with that. Well, it was a ballooning thing back then. Oh, do you ever did you ever do that by the way? A balloon? Yeah. No, and I was watching something on TV. They had the uh, every year out in New Mexico they have this giant balloon festival. Yep. And I was watching them. And I thought, would I ever want to do that? And I thought, no. No control. None. Well, the only control you have is you can go up and down, and the winds at different altitudes blow in different directions. Ah. And a balloon pilot learns those things. And you need to have a pilot's license, by the way, to be really? a balloon pilot. I don't know. Being in a little basket like that, I don't know. We're talking about uh, the training to become a pilot, and we got past the solo and into pilotage. Was that it? What did you call it? What, cross countries? Yes. Yes. Okay. You learn to, to fly to different destinations. And, and old school, you had maps and charts and... Well, you still have maps and charts. Sun and stars... But now you don't need it so much, or do you still need to know it? Well, you're supposed to have a chart with you in case. What happens if the electrical goes out Right. and you're lost? Well, if you're in visual conditions. By the way, there are two kinds of flying, and there are different rules for each. One is VFR, visual flight rules. The other is IFR, instrument flight rules. And they, they both cover different things. Obviously, instrument flight rules cover flying in places where you can't see out the window. Where were the rules? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. What area would the rules be different? Altitude, speed? Oh, the weather. 
Okay. Well, how do you have to? How are the rules different? How do you have to behave differently depending on the rules? Well, basically, with visual flight rules (VFR), yeah. you need to have three miles of visibility and a three thousand foot ceiling. Actually, you can go down to a thousand feet before it becomes. You know, special VFR. Yeah. Special VFR is another condition where you you can have a mile visibility and go clear of clouds. Okay. But it's pretty pretty iffy. <laughs> you also have to be clear of towers and you know stuff like that. Wow, it's, thousand it's feet. It's not a it's not a good thing to do. Low flying is a very dangerous thing. Okay, and as you continue on, you learn that what's next. Well, all right. So you do your your, your cross countries, and then you go you do all that, um, and you learn pilotage, which is recognizing landmarks, so you always know where you are. Navigation by uh, use of thing called VORs, which are these radios you set to a certain beacon, and it will it will establish a line okay. and a course. Um, and of course, GPS, which is actually became popular because of airplanes. And then they said, hey, we can put this in cars. And that's right. how Garmin got their start with airplanes. What are some uh, landmarks in this area that you guys use? Well, when I was learning to fly, we do a cross-country like to Manchester, New Hampshire from yeah. Hopedale. And I'd be pointing out to my instructor all the radio towers because I knew what they all were. He said, how do you know what t- those towers are? I said, yeah. well, that's what I do. Um, but, you know, you see the highways, you see... Shopping centers and oh, they're buildings. Not, they're not specific designated landmarks. You just kind of know. No, it's, it's just you know okay. where you are. I mean, you're flying from south of Boston, north of Boston. You know, over on the east, there's the ocean, and there's downtown yeah. Boston. And yeah, that's another thing. You have to learn airspace. There's different kinds of airspace. All right, do tell. Boston is what's called Class B airspace, which is the highest grade of airspace close to the earth. Class A is above 18,000 feet, which you don't get into generally in a small plane. Yeah. Although you can if you get a nice small plane with a jet engine. Okay. But um, so within 30 miles of Boston, that's the Class B area, you have to have an operating radar transponder so so they can see where you are because there's a lot of commercial traffic, airlines and so forth. Um, And then there are other areas where you have to be below a certain altitude to fly without being in positive control of air traffic control, Boston traffic control, which is uh, Boston approach. Yeah. And they have to give you permission to enter the Class B area. Uh-huh. You can't go in there or you're in deep doo-doo. You have to contact them before you enter or do they say, hey, hey, you no, you have to contact say, them and get say, them to say, this is John cleared, cleared to enter the Bravo. Oh, that's they, cool. They have to say those words. And you give your tail number or whatever. and Yeah, and then they, they well, they know who you are. You have to tell them where you're going, what altitude you'll be at. Yeah. And then you're under their control. They tell you what to do, where to go, and you have to follow their instructions. That's pretty heavy, really. Then there's Class D. Class D, Delta, yeah. is like around Hanscom Field. There's a four-mile... Uh, circle, and you—that's the control zone of Hanscom. Norwood has one. You're not allowed to enter that without establishing radio contract contact yeah. with the tower. So long as the tower is operating, if the tower is shut down for the night, which Norwood and Bedford do, do what you want. How do you learn about these, like 
D spaces delta. That's there, part book. of studying. Yeah, that's okay. That's, that's what you learn when you're studying. Are, those are the regulations you have to learn. Wow. Okay. It's not bad. It really isn't. It sounds bad. pretty bad. No, it's okay. Okay. Now, is it much different to fly a jet, small jet plane, than it is a propeller plane? How, how is it different as a pilot? It's really not much different. Not di- okay. Just knowing how to run the engines. I've never flown a jet plane, but I have friends who have them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, they, they they all fly the same. Um, first time I flew one, a friend picked me up at, at Bedford, and we flew up to Montreal. And I remember taking off from from Hanscom Field. It was like this is no different than the Cessna 150. Uh-huh. Just goes a little faster. Yeah, I notice when I see private jets, the ratio between the size of the engine and the size of the plane. The, the engine's a lot bigger comparatively. They must go fast. Oh, they do. That's the benefit of them. And also, commercial jets. I, I took a, where did I go? Houston in an E-190. Uh, on the way there. Embraer. It's a Brazilian airplane. On the way there, 450 miles an hour cruising. On the way back, uh, there was a delay. Also, the pilot was sick. The pilot had a, the flu. He, and he looked very ragged. And when he came on, he said, um, this is the pilot. Uh, today, the... First officer is going to fly the plane, and we're going to be going very fast, he said. And he just wanted to get the H home. And I looked at how fast we're going. This little bitty E-190 was going 650 miles an hour. Well, you had a tailwind. That, Whoa! That's, that's the only explanation of that. The plane doesn't fly that fast by itself. All right. Gee whiz. And I thought, you know, another 100 miles an hour... We'll be getting close to the sound barrier. I mean, and it was a bumpy ride, but the, the bumps were of a different type when you're going that fast. It's like boom, 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 boom. And usually when there's bumps, they kind of back off a little bit or some. No, he was sick. He wanted to get home. So he was just. Well, if he was sick, he home. shouldn't have. He was not He was not flying. Him. The first officer was. No, but he shouldn't have been the pilot, the captain. Be, he shouldn't have been in the plane? No, he's he's sick. He's incapacitated. Really? That's very serious. He shouldn't have done that. And he was standing there before we got on, and people were asking, "Are you okay?" He was. Well, that's, yeah. I'm glad no, I don't. No, I'm glad that, I didn't know this then. That's one of the things they teach you: is don't fly when you're sick. You're you're medically un- unqualified. You're medically disqualified. Wow. Okay. Now, is there an end? Also, if the pilot's drunk, you shouldn't fly on that All plane. Right. Um, that happens let me once write, in a while. Let me write that down. <laughs> so is there an end game here? This is the private license. Yep. Is there anything else to do before we get that? Well, then you have to, uh, once you do all that and you learn the rules and you take your written exam, um, which you have to do before you take your flight test, obviously, and you have to pass it, um, you then go on your solo cross countries where you, uh-huh. no instructor, you See you later. He signs your logbook authorizing you to go on a cross-country flight, and you pick your flight. The first one is three legs of 50 miles, and the next one is three legs of 200 miles each, I think. My first flight wow. was interesting. I I went to, uh, I don't know where he went, somewhere on Long Island. Then I went to Nantucket, and landing on Nantucket, I said, wow, this place is cool. And I got back to my office, and I... Uh, the radio station and I and Jesus I remember there's a FM license that's allocated to Nantucket and I looked it up and sure and, enough no one had ever applied for it I said I'm going to apply for it and you got it and I ended up yeah building a radio station there 
And probably an airstrip. Oh, did you use the, the local one? No, no, I used the Nantucket okay. Airport. It's a great airport. Wow. So good for you. And after that, you're done? You, you... Well, after that, you do your cross countries, you do your written, you do your blah, 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 blah. You have to, oh, you do some night flight, unless you want a restriction on your license, which says you can't do night flight. So you have to go out at night and do takeoffs and landings, a little flight. And then um, you also have to do flight, what's called under the hood, which is simulated instrument flight. Okay. Because if you're flying along and you happen to go into a cloud bank and you can't see out the window, I think the statistic is that you've got something like 80 seconds before the plane is upside down, spinning, going down straight toward the ground. So you have to learn how to handle the airplane when you can't see out the window. Because think about it. You're driving along the highway, you're going 70 miles an hour, and a blanket or a, a tarp comes off the, the tr car in front of you, covers your windshield. You can't see anything. Right. And you can't see the road. And that's bad in two dimensions. In the plane, it's bad in three dimensions. In the plane, right. But worse with the plane, because the plane, suddenly you lose your reference to the horizon, and you don't know if you're going up or down. So I'm guessing that something like that happened to JFK Jr.? Was that the deal? That's exactly what happened. It's called spatial disorientation. Was he not checked out on instrument flying or something? No, he only had 60 hours of, of flight time. Oh. He was barely qualified to fly the plane in daytime visual conditions. So he exhibited he, he bad was, judgment. Well, he was flying at night in three-mile visibility where there was haze and, and fog and when you're flying over the ocean, there's another phenomenon that comes in. He's flying down off the coast of New Bedford, headed toward Martha's Vineyard, and there were all these lights along the shore. You suddenly think that that's the horizon. So the plane, you start tilting the plane to the left, toward the ground. because And what happened was he went into a spin and what's called a death spiral, of which there was no way to get out of it. He should not have been in the plane that night. He had a medical condition. He didn't have the proper time, the rating. He was stressed out. They were late. It, and he brought his some family with him, right? His wife and his sister-in-law. All right. It's time for us Tragic. to break. This is very, very interesting. We now, we have our a private license now, right? Well, then you go for your flight test. Okay. And you go up, and who gave me my... Oh, my flight test was hysterical. It was out at uh, Barry Hiller Airport, out in Barry, Mass., which is west of Worcester. And the woman who gave it to me, this is back then. She was in her 70s. She, she'd be 150 today. Um, but she used to be a flight instructor during some war, I think World War II. <laughs> so uh, I, it, it was a terribly windy day, and I flew from Hopedale up to Barry Hiller, landed. She came down in her Chevrolet and... I got out of the plane, and I got in. It was a March cold day like today. Uh, she had her little dachshund with her, the little long hot dog dog. And uh, I introduced myself. She took me up to the house, and she offered me milk and cookies. Wow. <laughs> and then took me through, you know, plotting a cross-country trip and this and that. Then she took me up on the plane. We did some maneuvers. Um, and then she said, okay, put the hood on, which is this thing that covers your eyes so you can only see the instrument panel. Okay. And then she took the plane into some really bizarre maneuvers and said, okay, I want you to fly straight and level and then turn to this heading and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then we came around and landed and she signed my uh, pink slip and, or whatever it was. Good for you. And I'm a pilot. Were you nervous? 
Because you don't look oh, like yeah. a guy who's ever nervous. Oh, no, I get nervous. Are you kidding? Yeah, uh, no, you don't seem like you would be nervous. Oh, I was. You seem supremely Fear confident. of failure, sure. Wow. And uh, you did fine. At, after you did it, was it like you auto-driving test? Gee, that was easier than I thought, kind of. Because you'd pro- probably prepared so well. I did, but it was a it was a very windy day with a crosswind, and when you've got no time in an airplane, and you're landing in the when you're landing down the runway, and the wind is blowing straight at you, and the plane lands at say sixty miles an hour, and the wind's blowing fifteen miles an hour, you're only going forty five. Uh huh. If the wind is blowing behind you, you're going seventy five. So yeah, you, you wow. always want to land into the wind, but if the wind is blowing 20 miles an hour off your left side. Oh. Most small planes, that's beyond their capability of, of handling that what's called a crosswind. But you do what, what sailors do. You crab. Yeah. You turn the plane so you're at an angle to where you want to touch yeah, down. Yeah, I watch those those crab landing videos of big planes on, on YouTube. Oh, YouTube has some great plane shots. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting about landing into the wind as you describe it. If you're landing into the wind... You're going 60, and the wind's going uh, at you at 15. You kind of get lift credit for a lot more speed without having that speed compared to the ground. Right. And you land slower, and the plane goes down. In a a stiff wind, the plane goes down almost like a helicopter. Cool. Because your angle is very steep. Are are we getting you excited to fly, people? John Garabedian is with us, my longtime colleague and friend, and... Uh, not just a pilot, but long-time, excellent, experienced pilot talking to us about flying. And we have Bob in the North End and Ernie first. It's Bob here on BZ. How you doing, Bob? Say hi to John. Hello, John. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Are you interested? Hey, Bob. I'm going to ask silly questions. Now, you're getting close to, like, finishing your training. Do you, is there actually, like, an R&B? Do you actually have a license with your picture on it, like a driver's license? Yeah. I think, like, silly. Well, your picture yeah. is not. They don't have pictures yet. They they tried to get that through, and I don't know for some reason somebody didn't allow it. But it's a nice looking certificate. It's a little plastic card. Yeah. Now, now is it the same training? Like you feel like you're gonna just like fly like commercial? I mean, what's the difference in training? Like you're just gonna fly like for yourself, or is it? I mean, Everybody takes the first step the same. Yeah. There. Well, actually, there are three classes of the four, well, four classes of license, but the private license is the is the first step. That's when you're a real pilot. And then if you want to become a commercial pilot, you go on and you get a commercial rating on your pilot's license. So then you're a commercial pilot, which allows you to fly for hire. When you have a private license, you can't take any money for flying anybody unless it's for splitting fuel or something. Um, but with a commercial license, you're allowed to do you know sightseeing trips or fly. Somebody wants to fly to you know, New Hampshire, you know, boom, you can do that and charge money. And then you go on, you can become a flight instructor. And then the next step is to get your airline transport pilot, which is the ATP, which allows you to fly the big stuff. And how long, how long is the training for that from beginning to end? Well, to get your private license, the minimum time is 40 hours. On your commercial, I think you have to have 200 hours. And maybe I'm confusing that with the instrument rating. But it's, you know, something like that. And then for your um, ATP... Uh, the the basic rule is is 1,500 hours unless you go to an approved college, which costs a lot of money. Then you can do it in 1,000 hours. And what's actually, I mean, you're saying hours, but I mean, what's the actual time span, like in months or years that that would take? If a guy 
was super serious and buckled down. How long, I guess he's asking, from day one to and how soon could he have a yeah. commercial pilot's license? Good question. Well, the first, I, I have a friend, a long, well, I had a long time ago, who, got, who decided he was going to become a pilot. He got his license in one month because he had some military education benefits that were going to run out. So he just crammed it in. He went every single day he could. And he actually finished it in a month for his private. Uh, getting the commercial is not that big a deal. That's not a lot more time. Um, but once you get that, then you can become a flight instructor. And believe me, there's a big need for flight instructors. Uh, but that's how you build your time because you get paid to instruct, but yet you can count the time flying. So you can start kind of making a living yeah. in your field before the end. And then when you get to the 1,500 hours, you take your ATP and you get hired by the airlines. And if you actually go in a, a little ahead of it, they can actually pay for some of your education. Yeah. Uh, they're offering all kinds of signing bonuses and things to get people to go with their airline. And you get a cool hat. Yeah. The pilot one, hat. One, one last question. What about age restrictions? Like, I'm, I'm older. Like, you know, is there like an age restriction on, you know, working? For another good question. Or? Yeah, another good question. Well, the, the age restriction used to be 60. And then they said, well, let's raise it to 65. And is that to retire or to actually just? You have to retire by at 65. You can't fly uh, air, commercially after 65. How old are you, Bob? 52. So, how, reasonably, how long before he could start teaching and then start flying it's going to be a few years like 10 years eight years oh no five years four or five okay so by 57 you could be up and running and that would give you 57 it would give you eight years of doing it doesn't leave much yeah so so that age requirement is like you said to work for an airline is like that's mandatory for all airlines or just yes that's the federal federal law okay but you could drive you could have a pilot you can be a pilot indefinitely but you know what you could do First, if you wanted to be an instructor, you could be that sooner and do it longer, correct? Right, right. One other thing I haven't talked about or mentioned is you do need to get a medical certificate. And in the case of an airline pilot, you need a first-class medical certificate. And uh, it needs to be renewed every six months. Wow. With a medical exam and an EKG. and The, the whole deal. The whole deal, yeah. That's good. Very though. interesting. I'm looking for a new challenge. Though. This year, you got me all excited about maybe you know trying something different out in my life, so... Where can he go, John? Where are some uh, flight schools? Well, Norwood, Hanscom, um, Stowe, and Minuteman is excellent. In fact, the smaller airports are really, in in a way, better when you do your primary training because they're cheaper. Um, you go to a big airport, they have to pay big rent. Uh, in the case of uh, Hanscom Field, uh, Massport you know, gets a cut of everything. Uh, and at a big airport, sometimes it gets busy, so you're sitting in a line of airplanes waiting to take off. Where at a small airport, to, you don't have that problem. I mean, how does it work, like, you know, insurance-wise? I mean, these people just let you fly a plane, you know, like they said, when you, when you go for your license, you just use, use someone else's plane? I mean, how does that work for insurance and everything? Well, they have, they have special insurance policies for student pilots. Uh, in case, you know, something goes so wrong. He doesn't have to worry about that. It's in, I'm sure it's baked into the cost of your training. Right. Well, no. No? Uh, it, it depends. Usually not. Okay. They, so you have to pay. But it's not expensive. It's like 100 bucks a year or something. Oh. All right, Bob. All right. Thanks a lot. Very uh, good guest, Bradley. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed this a lot. It was very good. Sure where, where are you, Bob? Are, Whoa, you, in, he, are you in locally or are you in New Hampshire? He's in the North End. Oh, the North End, yeah. 
Okay, let's see if we can take care of Ernie in New Hampshire in three minutes. Hi, Ernie. John, say hi, hi to John. Hi, Bradley. Hi, John. Hey, how are you? Hey, John. Maybe you can help me. I'm a I'm a 70 year old male, and I've never I've never been in a plane in my life. Oh my God. And I'm retired. I got a chance to go down and see some friends in Florida, and they're telling me, "Hey, get down here." And I'm a little. I don't know if I have a phobia, but I am a little bit afraid of flying. Can maybe you give me a few tips? Well, I can help you with that, too, but John, I'm sure, has the tips. Well, I, the best tip is you're safer in an airplane. Than me going down Route 3, right? In the, absolutely. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> right. The last time there was a fatal U.S. airline accident was years ago. Right. I was thinking about that. Maybe 10 years? Yeah. I mean, it's the safest place you can be. Okay, okay really? I'm probably safer than sitting here in my condo right now. Well, actually, the chances of having an accident in your condo are higher than in an airplane. That's true. So, uh, also, think of it as a ride at the fair. You know, there's, there's a certain amount of physical movement. Yeah. Same thing. Think of it as fun. Don't. It's definitely not going to. Nothing's going to happen for sure. Okay. And it's if you if there are bumps or something, I find yeah. two things help. One, part of the thing that freaks you out about bumps is seeing things bounce around. Just close your eyes. Yeah. Because you're really only going like six inches a foot side to side. Right. The other thing is, you know when you look at a plane from the outside, it looks like it's so smooth and it's just floating in the air? Well, picture yourself from outside. Yeah. Pretend like you're on the ground looking at your plane and how it looks to other people. Because it really is very smooth. It's just kind of bumping around a little bit. Ernie, you can call me later and I can give you more pep talks if you want. Thank you so much, John Garabedian, for coming by. It's WBZ. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.